Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, welcome to the Heck Yeah, It's Cold edition of the Doghouse here on the Believe Podcast Network. Yes, the doghouse is back open. Well, the door is not open, nor the windows. And the furnace is turned entirely up here at our Browning Creek branch because it's cold out there. Looking out the window, yep, there's still some uh, ice on the ground from the evening snow. Not much, and uh, none in the woods, by the way, none of the branches. So hopefully we're not going to get anything falling down tonight when the temperature really bottoms out in bulldog country and power go out. I couldn't handle that, not in this modern day, but I've got every device charged up and a halo volt there to run a few things in case something does happen. Uh, oh well, it's winter, that's kind of what you expect, even if not quite getting down to 10 degrees like it is tomorrow morning, but hey, we do it, we survive it, and we move on. Which reminds us that these temperatures are a signal. We're a month away from the start of baseball season. Uh, okay, not funny in that regard, but uh, for Chris Lamonis and team, who they're going to be maximizing the Palmero Center for sure as they get their practices, individual sessions going. The scrimmages don't start until January 26, but the Diamond Dogs are already going to be at work, even though the university, which technically began its spring semester today, is pretty much closed down for classes. Everything's being done online and from a distance. Any staff that didn't have to come in and go to work didn't. Those who did, i.e. Bulldog basketball and Lady Bulldog basketball, are timing things pretty carefully. Uh, Basketball will get out of town today on time for their game at Lexington on Wednesday evening. Lady Bulldogs, we got a press conference. It got rescheduled from today for tomorrow, even though it's going to be even colder on Wednesday. Oh, what the heck. I think they know how to turn on the heat in Humphrey Coliseum. So we'll talk about that ahead of their Thursday game with Tennessee. Otherwise, the semester is getting off to a slow start, but it is starting. Baseball practice underway, classes underway. Also meaning that the spring enrollee for football for Coach Jeff Levy, his first spring semester, is getting started as well. And Steve Robertson should have a story up certainly by Wednesday morning when he gets some official confirmation of who all is enrolled. I believe at his last count, he had something like 28 newcomers arriving, the largest portion of them being transfers, something we'll discuss in a moment as well. So everything's getting up and going, or or in the case of going, Bulldog basketball. In fact, let's turn to that one first. Uh, As said, the Bulldogs coming off their very disappointing loss to Alabama. Yeah, Alabama's good, don't get me wrong. They're up there in the league leaders for a legitimate reason. But Mississippi State coming off their victory over number five ranked at the time, Tennessee, I thought they had an excellent shot to take care of Alabama. In fact, um, I'm not going to say they should have. Well, yeah, I'm going to say it. They should have. I think the Bulldogs were in position to win that game. They just could not make it happen defensively at the right times, the right places. Again, credit to Alabama, an explosive offense, and more than that, a creative offense that makes things out of seemingly nothing, just out of sure aggressiveness, athleticism, and an idea of what to do with the ball in crunch time. State kind of got taken out of its game just enough to really throw them off and not be able to quite keep up at the very end with the Crimson Tide. So still a disappointing loss. And I will still posit that had Tolu Smith not gotten injured in preseason, that might have been the first loss of the season. In fact, they might not have lost at all. But the Bulldogs could easily be, uh, easily, wrong word, the Bulldogs quite 
practically could be undefeated without Smith's injury. He got hurt, can't help that. It cost them some losses in the preseason, the pre-SEC season. And by the way, briefly, that Southern University loss didn't hurt as much because they were leading the SWAC. Then I think they took a loss last night and tumbled back down into net points, which is going to impact state's net ranking. We published our story today before the Southern U results were in, of course. But all those things matter still. Mississippi State sitting at number 35. But you think about where they could have been without that injury, certainly being great position conference-wise and undefeated in pre-conference. Bold statement? Yeah, maybe so. But I think this team's good enough, which is why the state got no favors when the first half of this SEC schedule was handled out. You survive it, though. You've got a chance to make up a lot of ground in the second half. A couple of this coming week, by the way, Sunday with Vanderbilt, that's a must-win because that would be a truly horrific net loss if they drop that one. I don't expect them to, but it's SEC basketball. You still see how they come off the Kentucky game this week. They'll be underdogs, no pun intended, at Lexington. But the point holds. The schedule, not going to again say easy, but get smoother and more winnable games coming. This team is good enough to do it. Some pieces are starting to fall into places. You're seeing, uh, for one example, the use of Trey Fort in the Alabama game, something that Coach Chris Jans talked about at our press conference on Monday. You can still catch the video on Gene's page that I posted there. It gives him some choices, even some challenges on how to mix and match the backcourt down because if you're still going to keep starting Deshaun Davis, who has struggled the last couple of games, offensively has not been a factor, not really playing great with the ball in his hand, defensively okay, but the offense has taken some steps back in the perimeter of that regard. However, you're not going to short start Josh Hubbard anytime soon based on what we've seen just because yes he is by far state's most creative scorer in the backcourt but the same things that make him so explosive can also mean that he can take some bad shots not show up defensively make some decisions there I just like the way he comes off the bench I think it settles him down watching gets him more in psych of what he wants to do against that particular opponent and goes out there and plays better is there a place for him in the lineup yeah, I think so when the matchups start changing in some of these regards. At this point, though, it looks like they're going to stick with Deshaun Davis and Shaquille Moore, who has played more solidly lately. But Fort can be the wild card in that mix because, A, he puts pressure on Herbert to perform because Fort can come in and be an offensive spark himself. And, B, what if all of a sudden he matures as a ball handler? Then you start sitting a veteran like Davis and go with younger players. And not an easy decision, but here's the thing. Chris Jans increasingly is going to have some choices and thus decisions to make in the backcourt. And that's where State really needs to raise its game offensively and even defensively. I guess that's been the frustrating thing the last couple of weeks. Uh, A program that in year one was justifiably noted for its defensive intensity hasn't been really great. I've seen some flat-footed play both in the backcourt and in the paint as well ball getting in places where it shouldn't be allowed to get so easily, unchallenged shots being taken from the 6 to 10-foot range. It just state not really seeming to know what it wants to do defensively on the baseline at times. Again, that could be a credit to the teams they're playing, but more it's a sign that there's still some chemistry things being worked out and the fact that Tolu Smith can't go the whole game quite yet. He's getting stronger. He's getting in game shape. 
At this point, though, you've got to get him a few breaks, particularly the first half, so he can be there down the stretch in the second half. Jimmy Bell, I thought he took a couple of shots, probably outside of his best range in the Alabama game. I suspect that wasn't so much Alabama's defense as the fact that he just got caught up in the action and started forcing some things because that's one thing Alabama's very good at getting you doing, making you play a little faster than you truly want to. I guess the larger point is still the fact that State probably should have won that home game bodes well if they're able to learn from what didn't go quite right and where they did, frankly, just plain wrong. Fix those, and now you've got a team that when they do things right, this can be a really fun team to watch. Uh, Tolu Smith, when he, as he gets healthier on his game, that little turnaround jumper he's starting to show there, uh, some of the face-up things to amplify his game, that's something that's going to be really tough to defend. And being the passer that he is, you come out and defend him, he can get the ball to somebody else who can do some things with it. Again, I just like the potential that Jan's team has as it molds together, they simply have to survive this first month of SEC season, especially these first three weeks. Uh, of course, after the Vanderbilt game, which, goodness knows, bit, we better count it as closest thing to an automatic win on the schedule yet. At Florida, I think it's a winnable game as well. Okay, Auburn coming to town, probably the best team overall in the league. But then you've got Ole Miss and Alabama on the road. Come out of that schedule within striking distance of break-even. Yes, the South Carolina game is still going to haunt as this season drags on. But come out of it not too far behind 500, and you can really make it some ground. Your net ranking is still going to be very good. You're going to be in great position for NCAA tournament in that regard. In fact, now you're not just playing to get into the NCAAs. Well, yeah, okay, in a sense you are. That's got to be That's the first order of business, obviously. But you're playing for a better position, a better seating, better matchups in the tournament now. You've just got to do your own business in these remaining weeks of the season. As far as the Lady Bulldogs, well, big win for them over Ole Miss. Thoroughly enjoyed watching them dominate the fourth quarter in Humphrey Coliseum. And also kind of enjoyed the, um, well, let's just say less than gracious responses of the losers there that evening game. It was fun to see some of the spice back in the rivalry in that regard. And for Sam Purcell to get his first win in the series as well. It's still a team that's going to be shorthanded numbers-wise. But when Jessica Carter, who today was named SEC Co-Player of the Week, SEC, I, I know your friends of mine there, but it was really hard finding out who her co-player was as well. Just a hint out there. It would have been nice to include that in the story that I had to get written quickly. Okay, that parenthesis point aside. I made the comment on Jason Crowder's radio show the other day that Jessica, if I had any issues with her, was the fact that sometimes she doesn't seem to raise her game to the quality of competition that she's facing directly. Well, she raised her game this past week. Uh, averaged, what, 22.5 points and wins over Arkansas and Ole Miss on the boards in Fayetteville. Didn't get a lot of rebounds in the Ole Miss game, but more of that was the fact that she was blocking out. Uh, Ole Miss started a five-forward team and played really physical. They were trying to bang her around, and State substituted accordingly. Didn't have the offensive punch down low with some of the girls being alternated in, but still that was allowed – Jessica, a little more freedom of movement in the point, and she scored six of those points in that 20-6 stretch in the fourth quarter when State did win the game. 
So a great evening for her, a great win for Sam Purcell and team. Just a great win, period, because it evened up their SEC record after a couple of awkward losses to start the year, too. And Vanderbilt's proved to be a decent team. South Carolina, well, they're South Carolina. But now they've got Tennessee coming to Humphrey Coliseum on Thursday night. Tennessee, got to watch a little bit of them against Florida. Yeah, when it's cold, sometimes you're stuck in the house on weekends and having to watch whatever's available. And uh, the NFL games hadn't started, so there we are watching Florida-Tennessee women's basketball. Uh, and, yes, there's the familiar face coming back to the hump, Rakea Jackson, Tennessee's leading player. They certainly expect a warm welcome for her from the Humphrey Coliseum crowd as they remember her brief appearance in a Bulldog uniform a couple of years ago before she, well, took the easier way out to Knoxville. Okay, good player, having a good year. Fascinating matchup between her and Jessica, another topic we're sure to talk about with Sam Purcell on Wednesday morning. But a positive momentum by a Lady Bulldog team, which still is shorthanded again. Some players are just not going to be cleared to come back from injury this year. You've got to play what you've got. Some kids are still trying to figure out their roles, and that was one reason why the Ole Miss game struggled at times, especially in the third quarter. Some kids just didn't seem to really have a good clue what to do offensively. Boy, did they figure it out in the fourth quarter. It begins with play defense, go get the rebounds when you do play defense, and take the other team out of their game. A good win and a chance to take down a Tennessee team, which for so many years was their tormentor in the SEC. So basketball here in the Humpty Dome. Again, men play 2.30 on Sunday afternoon, uh, Saturday afternoon. Must win with Vanderbilt, so get here. And the Kentucky game, well, that's going to take care of itself. Our Justin Frommer from Jeans Page is safely in Lexington as we record this. Um, Steve, Mike, and I have been recommending various eateries to try in the Lexington area. I favor a certain pizza place, whereas, uh, let's see, Steve was giving a hearty recommendation to Malone's, which he was able to get into thanks to the good graces of former dog assistant, now Kentucky bas- baseball coach Nick Mingione. And Mike and I bemoan the much-missed Deshays, which has been out of business for a few years, but oh, the fond memories. Hey, when you're an SEC, one of the things you do after a few years, you start developing your own, uh, let's just call it galaxy, of eateries all around the league. I mentioned baseball. Yes, they are doing their individual drills. It's still amazing, a month away. I'm sitting here in 20-degree temperatures this afternoon, expecting to drop to half of that tonight, thinking we'll be out at Duty Devil Field not that long away. In fact, February 16th, a month from today, They start with a series with Air Force, a team that probably knows a little bit about cold weather as well. In fact, I was kind of uh, surprised. I'd really not taken a deep dive look at State's baseball schedule, even though it came out last fall, because you're neck deep in football. Then, of course, the football transition, basketball getting going, but now I can start paying a little more attention to Chris Lamonis' team and, to this point, schedule. I didn't realize that they play 22 games to begin the season in the state of Mississippi, all but three of them in Starkville. Of course, there's the game in Pearl with Southern Miss, then a two-game series down in Biloxi, and that's all before they finally make their first true road trip in March to start SEC play at Texas A&M. So a big, long homestand coming up, and you can just hope that uh, the weather is much warmer by several magnitudes when the Diamond Dogs get going. We'll leave some of the more specific updates to Mike and Steve and their coverage of the team 
Of course, um, Steve is neck deep in the current recruiting because that signing date is February 7th for high school kids coming up again for football. But Mike has already written some pieces about the Diamond Dogs, the outlook for 2024, a um, must-produce season for Chris Lamonis after two down years. But some positive trends as far as that go, although they've already lost one pitcher to Tommy John. Goodness, whatever that bug is that causes the TJs to strike, Yes, that's true across all college baseball, but we just notice it more when it's the team we cover. All right, I talked earlier about the football transfers. Uh, by count, 15, all 15 players who are signed or committed to the transfer portal are expected to enroll for the spring semester on time, meaning they will be available to spring football. I say committed. I've had to clean up my language as far as that goes. It's too easy to say signed for Jeff Levy and his bunch. Well, several of them, the majority of them, have not signed. They've committed. They can't sign. They can sign the papers that keeps them out of SEC reach, but the national papers as well as, as letter of intent, all the scholarship stuff, that gets taken care of in February in the second normal signing period. Oh, this gets so complicated at times, but hey, when you got 15 guys coming in and 15 guys who are definitely being called upon to transform this roster. And matter of fact, transform a heck of a lot more about the team than just the roster. Let's see, just going through that list, I mean, and y'all have looked over them before, obviously, so you probably know them backwards and forwards. We reported on them, but that just looking at it, I mean, what jumps out, obviously, so many wide receivers, both high school and junior college and transfers as well, coming in. That receiver room for Coach Chad Bumpus is going to be totally revamped this coming year. But you, know, you certainly expect they're going to play guys, you know, like a, a Kevin Coleman from Louisville making his way back here. Now you pick up some uh, true tight ends as well in the transfer class already. Um, the transfers coming in from places like UTEP and others you feel like you've really upgraded the receiver room you just want to see it on the field and certainly you want to see quarterback Blake Shapin when he gets out there for spring ball but as you know me the old guy I focus on the lines of scrimmage and state is doing well there as far as transfers go numbers wise uh, the pickup of Jacoby Jackson Texas Tech transfer last week now, that was key I really think that's gonna be one of the keys to the entire class there because state really needs to upgrade that. Of course, you already had Marlon Martinez, an LSU transfer coming in. One of the bigger scores, Macklin Pounders, tackle from Memphis. And that was a real score that State was able to pick up back in December and get him taken care of. He's not just committed, he's signed. Of course, Ethan Miner, then you got coming from North Texas, another good score there. Some really much-wanted players that State has been able to pick up through the transfer portal on the offensive line of scrimmage where everything's got to be started. Yes, Jeff Levy's bringing in an interesting new offense. We'll know more about it as it goes, and I'll remind you of what he told me when I had a chance to briefly talk to him back in uh, November. And he's called his offense a veer and shoot. And for us elder dogs who understand what the traditional veer was or even the shoot systems of the 1980s and how they progressed on the decades since, it ain't the air rate. And it's not some kind of static type of whatever it was that Joe Moore was trying to run out of the spread. This is going to be a fascinating offense to see as it's installed and more so in how he incorporates the existing talent on the team, especially at the quarterback position. 
uh, Chris Parson, how healthy is he going to be? And so that's a guy who certainly wants nice warm weather to start because when you're still recovering from a knee surgery, the last thing you want are those twinges of icy cold conditions. But then Blake Shapin coming in, and of course you've got the trans the high school signee and uh, Martin Van Buren. Oh, I'm sorry, Martin Van Buren. No, I was not old enough to know the real Martin Van Buren. But you have Van Buren, the quarterback, high school signee coming in as well. Uh, we'll be finding out if he's certainly in that class. Also enrolling for the spring semester. Now that would be a lot of fun to have all your trigger men there, but we won't know for sure until they actually get enrolled and get the classes started. The state's been getting, what, 21 players signed letters of intent back in December. Now you've been picking up the transfer commitments, guys who can enroll. Of course, the JUCOs. I mentioned the wide receiver room. I didn't even include some of the high school kids like uh, San Francisco McGee and Matt Mayfield. Um, both, um, you know, I'm going to ignore the star rankings. It's just not even worth getting into that. It truly isn't. Physically, they are the transformational type players that states really need it in the receiver room to bring both strength and speed back into it. So now you've got six true receivers and a couple of tight ends coming in, an all-around athlete who can be lumped into that. And by the way, State could still add some more because drop-add dates not until January 22nd. So let's not uh, totally ignore what's going on in the portal uh, for the more interesting at the moment uh, groups of visitors and potential commitments coming from high school kids who, of course, can't be here until 2025 or so in most cases there may be the exceptional one that we're able to pick up for our summer that's the thing about recruiting nothing's really settled until your july semester starts and then as we found out what you thought was settled may be unsettled i.e jaquarius spivey no no chance of getting him in for another year certainly that was looked at although by the same token i was just going through some guys who had decommitted or are transferring out from state that have not yet found a college and I'm trying to figure out where Jamari Brown figures he's going to find another season to play after three years at Kentucky, two years at Purdue, and one year at Mississippi State. And not to be too brutal on the kid, but if you're a cornerback with college experience and you couldn't play this past season in State's defensive secondary, you got to wonder what your future may or may not be at that point. Anyway, at this point, of course, State has uh, is bringing in uh, two quarterbacks, a couple of running backs there. you got the six receivers officially listed, the tight ends. Offense defensive line is starting to be rebuilt. And five defensive backs. I'm talking about an area that it doesn't need just rebuilding. It needs tearing down and starting entirely over. So that's all coming in spring. We still don't know what the actual spring practice schedule is going to be. At last report, talking to the PR director, he does expect it to happen after spring break which this year is March 11th through 15th. So I wouldn't look for anything earlier than probably March 18th at this point, two months away from now. But we should get that schedule in. You know, some coaches like to get it going before spring break, get a few practices, something to give themselves to watch during that break when the players are away and their assistants start doing some video. But all appearances are right now that Jeff Lavery prefer to run it together, one consistent. Again, subject to change. We'll find out for sure. Uh, right now, State's overall ranking on the class is still 36. Now, 
no, that's not the kind of class rankings that over the long haul is going to be a game changer here in the SEC where uh, being top 20 recruiting is probably just the starting price of poker. But it's a heck of a lot better than the Bulldogs were standing back in the middle of November 2023. Transfer rank 29. That's an interesting one because generally when you have big transfer classes, it gets you the higher numbers. But uh, just a whole bunch of three stars in there. Good, bad, and different. I don't know. Right now, I don't even particularly care. I just want to see, can they play football? And what are they going to do within the systems that Jeff Levy and his new coordinator staff are going to be putting in there for this first season together? I don't even expect to be a full final finished product in the first season together because I believe that's how much has to be pumped in. But I could be wrong in that regard. And why is that so? Because, again, the transfer portal. I suggested, not entirely jokingly the other day, that perhaps college coaches may start one of getting some uh, tutoring from baseball, not college baseball, professional baseball, and how they manage to have, well, as you know, the major league teams, um, most of them are, if, if not most, then certainly the large portion of them are free agents picked up from other clubs, the rest of them, guys you've developed on your own through your farm system. Well, college football is kind of headed in that direction. If you want to consider transfer portal being the free agents and high school signees and some JUCO guys, your farm club teams, the trick is not just how do you balance it, but how do you change it year by year by year when so much can be in flux. Those stories I used to write about roster management and your uh, roster ladder or conveyor belt, however you wanted to put it, I think it was Pat McMahon who first used that phrase to me about, you know, conveyor belt of bringing the freshmen and develop them. But then again, college baseball, as you know, hey, how many guys came in for just one or at most two years in college baseball as well? So there's some experience. This is nothing new. It's just new to football. And it's something that's still very much taking shape, as is NIL, a subject entirely to itself that I just prefer to avoid at the moment. It's just going to, as it shakes itself out, I'll get more information, of course, from Charlie Winfield. We're going to try to have a summer talk about now two years in the NIL experience. What it, is it? What is it not? What are the coaches able to do or not do? How do colleges work closely or not closely with their NIL? By the way, you saw the Florida State situation where one collective has already been disassociated entirely from the Seminoles for an assistant coach working through them to extend an offer to a prospect. No, they're far from the only one doing it. We just can't prove it. So it's, I, I, there, Mike Nemeth says it well in his Nemo's notes as of yesterday, toothless organization by the NCAA. But then again, who pulled their teeth? The NCAA pulled their own, but so did just the changes to the real world by the Supreme Court and it ain't over yet, just wait or fear the day that college athletes are ruled employees and can unionize and everything we know about college sports is going to come to a crashing turn and we don't know what direction it will go in that turn. Am I sounding kind of down? I guess it's just the winter weather getting to me there. Uh, so I should probably stop while I'm ahead in that regard and stop just talking, period. Now, talking to you is what I enjoy here in the doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. And if you like what I'm talking about or just listening to me rattle on at this point, give us a like on Apple Podcast as well. We appreciate the help there. But I also want to get out 
put this in. Be careful in this cold. Uh, this farm boy despises cold weather. When you've had to feed the cows and sometimes bust open the water tanks with a hammer, sometimes a sledgehammer, just so they'd have something to drink because you didn't want them wandering down to the pond and getting out in their water and getting worse. Uh, chicken houses in the winter, yeah, pure misery. So I ain't got nothing good to say about winter. I am now my beloved spouse, she likes changes of seasons. Me, I sit here and wonder, I'm happy with one season, summer. Eh, am I crabby about it? Yeah, I am. But it's just me. And you've learned to deal with it and <laughs> put up with it as best you can. But conditions are cold, but basketball action is just as warm as ever. And now we've got the start of the spring semester. More football recruiting to track because, again, that February signing date is coming up a lot faster than we realize. Of course, Steve and Rion and the gang, they're keeping a close track on commitments, on visits. We have our new graphics artist who's helping us provide that punch, too, as on the social media front. It's just trying to get in the game ourselves with it. So there'll be plenty more to talk about Bulldog Foot Recruiting, which just hasn't slowed down and probably never will again under the new paradigm. But, hey, it keeps us in business. And even this old guy ends up writing about recruiting as well, helping out with the commitment and signee stories. Am I to the point of contacting prospects? No, I've still been ruled a booster. In fact, I renewed my Bulldog Club membership not so long ago. But who knows if that's even going to hold up. And sooner or later, maybe even people acknowledge as boosters can talk directly to prospective student-athletes. Don't advise it right now. But who knows what's changing in this world as far as football recruiting goes. Of course, uh, now there may be some players on the market in a certain SEC address, which happens to be the next closest to Mississippi State soon. You just don't know. The change is happening there. Uh, fascinating to see. Oh, by the way, we just uh, had finished writing a doghouse. It will published, I believe, 8 o'clock on Wednesday morning. And you can read about the comings and goings of Will Rogers. And let me emphasize, I don't. there's no snark involved. I wish Will the absolute best. I thought he was a great Bulldog for the four years he was in the program. Anyone just still bitter and vengeful enough about how the seasons themselves played out to wish him ill, I'm sorry. I, I, I got nothing for you. That's, that's just your own personal problem to deal with. I want Will to do well. So what's his landing spot going to be? Well, as I wrote, Washington new coach Jed Fish, even though everything we've seen from Arizona these two years, it, his offensive styles don't really fit Rogers' strengths and skill set. He might want to reconsider because look what Will did in a 2-0 and record against Arizona and the statistics he had, what, seven touchdown passes against just one turnover, uh, averaging a whole bunch of yards, completion percentage great, not just air raid throws but downfield strikes as well. Hey, he could do worse in that regard. But all that said, best of luck to Will and, you know, any other dogs who've entered the portal. It's a weird world, and don't want to wish, you know, unless they go play for a rival, and even then you try not to make it personal because we've created this mess, and now we've got to live with it until or even if things ever settle down. But as long as they're unsettled, we talk about them here in the doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. This has been your host, David Murray. Thanks for checking in for this week's edition. And don't forget, Bulldog Basketball, uh, Wednesday evening, men in Lexington. Thursday evening, the women are at home. Saturday afternoon, 2.30, Chris Jansen team back home again. 
So keep up with that. We'll be having our baseball practice report starting soon enough when we're allowed to get in contact with players, i.e. once it warms up enough they can actually get outside the Palmero Center and go on duty no field for a change. In football, we put in our request to talk to assistants. Oh, and by the way, we mentioned last week that we have a request in to talk to athletic director Zach Selman. I spoke with him briefly at the game on Sunday, reminding them that I'd like to have a little chat with him about all sorts of things because he just finished his first year on the Mississippi State job. Uh, Mississippi State was supposed to make an announcement in January about uh, facilities, uh, funding plans, new plans. I believe that's going to be delayed another few weeks for various reasons, none bad, nothing to really be frustrated about at this point. I think uh, the more that Selman and his staff learn about Mississippi State, about the financial landscape, i.e., where's the money going, where's it coming from, as far as divisions between Bulldog Club, NIL, and the direct appeals to donors. You know, we had a nice moment during the Alabama game when Richard Edgerson and all the people who donated sizable sums to the renovation of Hunter Coliseum stepped forward. Those are the people who are going to be asked again to contribute to upgrades to Davis Wade Stadium. Our new donors have to be found along with that, and these same people are also being encouraged to give to NIL. It's going to be a really targeted approach to boosters. No wonder that Selman is employing more and more staff to do this because that's going to become as much important as anything you do in college athletics you got to get the athletes here before you do anything with them. That's just the bottom line. And NIL is going to be the key to getting them here and retaining. But at the same time, you have to give them quality facilities and staffing. And that's where I want to talk to Selman as well about what does the future look like. Is there going to be a, fa- a football practice facility? Or will the money instead go entirely to Davis Way Stadium and some projects in mind for there? I think n- nothing would really surprise. Everybody really knows what the stadium needs but I'd like to hear from an official source what they think of the priorities as well and other things going on with long-term marketing promotions of the university. No, I don't give a darn about the logos. That's for everybody else to have fun with. Me, I don't give a rip. I just wear whatever stuff I still have, or shoe companies, all that kind of stuff. But he cares about it because what's going to fund the program, what's going to represent the program. You notice that Hell State is adding more writers. That's more competition for us, but Hey, we welcome the competition, even if it's from the team that we cover. So we'll talk about it, we'll write about it, and you'll get to read and hear about it both on jeanspage.com and here in the doghouse. Thanks for checking in. This is your host, David Murray. Stay warm, stay safe, and stay in tune with Bulldog Sports. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.